What is up, everyone? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, remember to hit the like button for me because it takes about a fraction of a second and it really is the single biggest thing that you can do to help out the show. The Cowboys played on Saturday night against the Seattle Seahawks. They lost the game and there was a lot of stuff to, you know, be concerned about or to complain about. Will Greer did not look great. The backup offensive line, once again, did not look good at all. The backup secondary and the third string secondary was suffering a little bit on Saturday night. And we did see a lot of big plays from the Seahawks against the Cowboys defense. None of that matters or none of that seemed to matter when the game was over because we feared two season-ending injuries to Cowboys rookies. One of them to linebacker Marvion Overshone, the Cowboys' third-round draft pick that was turning heads in training camp. And then the other was to undraft the free agent John Stephens. Both of those fears became a reality today on Sunday as the Dallas Morning News reported that they are turned ACLs. And so they are missing the season. One of them, Overshone, was a guaranteed member of the roster. John Stevens was threatening to take a spot on the 53. So a bad start to the week, if we are being totally honest. That is exactly what you don't want to have happen on a, on a preseason game, we'll talk about it tonight. We'll get into some of the details here on the show. But before we do any of that, though, let me say hi, because the Cowboys played on Saturday and we have not seen each other. So I'm excited to talk to you all on the show tonight. We've got Charlene Evans. We've got a call in the chat. We've got Gregory. And my eyes might be deceiving me. But that is Toxic Tom in the chat. He had been on a vacation Welcome back, Toxic Tom, one of the most loyal listeners of ADC Sports Dallas in general. Uh, Katharina, thank you for joining the show as well. Valentin, thank you for being here as well. He says we need to take care about our linebackers, and that is true. The Cowboys have to be concerned about the linebacker situation, and that is with what we will start the show, actually. So welcome, everyone, into the show. Thanks. Uh, for taking time out of your day to listen to primetime. I really appreciate you. Yeah, let's start with Overshone because there's no other way we can start this show. The Marvin Turkey's left ACL. And it ironically and oddly happened on such a good play, man. On such a good play where he is defending the flat. He is exploding towards the, the, the flat. He's pretty much in the middle of the field, explodes to the sideline, and makes such an athletic tackle, and really one that had us tweeting like, oh, damn, what a play from, from the rookie. Another one in the books for him, because he had a very strong preseason opener as well, has been having a fantastic training camp too. So when we see him a little bit you know, awkward when getting up, he kind of 
tries to get uh, to get up, then goes down. And then we learn through the broadcast and through Twitter that he walked under his own power to the sideline and then he was carted off the sideline after that. We know that walking under your own power when, when it comes to ACLs pretty much means nothing. So the fear remained right there for everyone that was watching the game. And it didn't take long for reports to confirm that it was an ACL. Michael Gelkin first hinted at it on Saturday night, became a reality on Sunday afternoon. So now the Cowboys are looking at a season in which they won't have their third round draft pick available. Now, is overshown or was overshown a projected starter? No. So on that front, maybe you're kind of, um, I don't want I don't even want to say that you can breathe a sigh of relief because you can't. Because with overshown, it's not really about him being the starter. It's probably about being the number three linebacker on the team, which doesn't sound like a starter, but pretty much you're going to see playing time. You're guaranteed playing time at that stage because, you know, you can talk about four, three defenses. You can talk about three, four defenses. The Cowboys base is going to be two linebackers, and that's going to be Leighton Van Der Esch, Damon Clark, and then you're going to have five defensive backs, six defensive backs. Of course, sometimes that can happen with one linebacker being subbed out with the three safety looks that the Cowboys like to use. So now you have Banderesh and Clark, who are your projected starters. And then after that, this is your linebacker room. Let me run you through it. Jabril Cox, who has barely played defense in the NFL in his career. You have Devin Harper, who has played no defense in the NFL in his career because he's a second-year player got injured after three games in the NFL as a rookie last year. And then you've got Malik Jefferson, who was, before last night, maybe considered a long shot to make the team. That is not an ideal group of players. I don't think that Jabril Cox is solidified as the top backup linebacker right now against Devin Harper. Because I'm going to say this about the former sixth-round draft pick. He has been quite athletic for the Cowboys. He's gotten limited chances to display that, but he has been explosive. He has been fast, and he's made some wow plays during the first two preseason games that we've seen so far. It's kind of tough, though, to enter the season betting on him, though. Like it, it has to be tough for the Cowboys to go down that route. Because what we're seeing in August, you're seeing a player that is making better decisions, that looks more comfortable on the field than he did maybe last year. And you're maybe seeing those first glimpses of what he could be as a defensive player. Can he be a special teams ace? I don't doubt it because he's got the athleticism. He's got all of that. But can he play if called upon on defense at a consistent level? I'm not betting on that personally. Uh, again, everything can happen in the NFL. The Cowboys can bet on one of these two guys stepping up. But at the very least, you need to look towards the free agent market, in my opinion, right now. And unfortunately, it's not too promising either. 
there are two big names that we could look at. One of them is Anthony Barr, but I'm going to say I'm going to put this out there. I'm not sure what Anthony Barr's whole situation is right now, because I don't know if you remember that we talked about this a little bit earlier in the month. Anthony Barr was expected to sign with the Saints, according to Diana Rossini, when she was with ESPN. And she reported that that never happened. And while we learned that the Saints had not agreed to a deal with Kareem Hunt, who was visiting at the same time because of guaranteed money issues, we never really got to know what happened with Anthony Barr. And then Barr was scheduled to visit the New York Giants. But at the last minute, the Giants were like, uh, actually, you know what, Anthony, we're canceling the visit. I don't want to speculate at all, like in a wild, wild way, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Anthony Barr is healthy right now. And I'm not sure what the whole situation is with him. Now, I will also say that Anthony Barr's sponsor is gone from the Cowboys. Because I think that George Edwards played a big role in getting Anthony Barr to Dallas last year. Because he was the former defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. And maybe, I mean, I look at it that way. Like, I think that Edwards brought Anthony Barr to the Cowboys. And he's not, oh, my pen just dropped. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I don't think that, and I'm showing you the cap now. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, I just think that Edwards not being here, not being in Dallas, makes me think that the Cowboys are not looking at Anthony Barr as a legit option. And that leaves you with Rashawn Evans, who I really don't understand why he isn't signed. The Cowboys are not going to get a super athletic player that's going to solve all of the issues on defense and he's going to be the top-tier number three linebacker in the NFL or anything like that. But Rashawn Evans did play 17 games last year, started those games, Produced quite decently for the Falcons, had 159 tackles. And I know that tackles are never the way to evaluate players, but you know he can be on the field. You know he can be a solid number three, at least, based on the fact that he played so much last year. Can he cover is one of the main questions, I think, because his coverage numbers are not great. So that is something that maybe the tape would reveal a little bit more info but to me, the Cowboys are looking at two possibilities. Either you pay one of these free agents and you bring them to Dallas and you say, you know what, this is what I can work with. It is not ideal, but I'm going to sign one of these two guys. Or you bank on Devin Harper and or Jabril Cox to take that step up and to really show up for the Cowboys when they most need them to. Or, and or, because I'm going to say this goes hand in hand, you decide to take the three safety groupings to the next level. So now you're not just thinking about a handful of snaps. You're not thinking about half of the snaps. You're thinking of living in that world more consistently and having Jaron Kears, Donovan Wilson, and, and uh, Malik Cooker if it comes to that. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if that is a route that the Cowboys end up taking because maybe they're not in love with any of these uh, free agent linebackers. So that's where the Cowboys situation is at, in my opinion, following the Marvin Overshone's injury. Again, it is not ideal. This year, this year's offseason was pretty rough for linebackers. If you looked at the draft, if you looked at the free agency market, it wasn't like you could really solve a lot of these issues unless you went for one of the big names. And we knew that the Cowboys were not going to go down that route ever uh, with like uh, Bobby Wagner, etc. That always seemed like a long shot to Cowboys fans, I think. So this is where they are at. This is where they are at. Let me see some of your comments here in the chat. Uh, please stop, says Danny Savage, with Javiel Cox at middle linebacker, big safety. Maybe he's not middle linebacker. Uh, here we go. Toxic says, Mo, I didn't watch the last two games. How did linebackers not named Clark, LV, or Obishon did? I'm going to say that Javiel Cox has gotten into a situation, just to keep it short, where he's being pressured by Devin Harper into really having to step up pretty much in practice or in the preseason finale because I think that Harper could very well be pushing to be the primary backup right now. I have not zeroed in on Jabril Cox. I will say that as much as I have on Devin Harper because I think that when you look at Harper, you're looking at a player who is a big-time athlete. He has made, and I talked about this after the Jaguars game too, like – he made this very clean read near the end zone the other day where he just like exploded into the gap that he needed to explode, did all of the right things. But I'm just, I just don't know how that looks like against once in the NFL as a, like on a Sunday, I'm not sure how that looks like. I just know that he's a heck of an athlete. And what is good about Harper, I will say that is that you probably have a special teams ace on him based on what we know from him since he was drafted last year. So that's good. That's definitely a positive. That being said, man, I got to say, the other two injuries, Matt Waletsko, happy to know that it's a day-to-day situation because even though he has not had the preseason that we envisioned for him, he's probably still uh, the favorite to be your swing tackle when the season starts. I, I, I think so, at least. We know that the Cowboys coaching staff likes him and things have not gone as he hoped for, I think, in the preseason because he allowed pressures again. Uh, the same happened on the opener. He's had some issues. Boya Moffitt was just having fun with him last night at the start of the game. So, well, let's go. Preseason has not, be, uh, has not been ideal, but I still believe he's one of the key pieces to your depth. It's good to know that it's a day-to-day issue. It's negative to know that it's a different shoulder than the one he injured last year. So now you're worried about two different shoulders moving forward. And with John Stephens, you know, it sucks. It really does. But it's different to talk about your primary backup at two positions, right? Linebacker or offensive tackle with the, with the, you know, worry that we had with, well, let's go. But... I'm not, I'm sorry. Did I say, well, let's go. Maybe I, I don't know why I feel like I said Josh Ball by accident, but I wanted to say 
Matt, well, let's go. If I did, if I did, I misspoke. I'm just making the correction here just in case. Because I saw a comment asking about, well, let's go. And I don't know if it arrived after I had said it or before I had said it. Anyways, sorry for the confusion. With John Stephens, what is different is that while the injury sucks, your plans are not going to change all that much at tight end. Like, you still have Hendershot. You still have Sean McKeon. I think that Hendershot's job is much safer going into the season now. So things change a little bit, and you hate to see a rookie get injured like that, especially when you look at the play uh, the play that it happened. It wasn't even a play where he was being targeted or anything like that. He was just caught in the middle of the trenches, warfare, and just got injured. I believe it was a non-contact injury. Just looked super weird, very unfortunate. You hate to see it. I don't think that it really moves the needle on how the Cowboys defense could go, though, if we are being a little bit cold and objective with things. So those are, to me, the real losers of the game. We're going to mention maybe a, a couple of other losers towards the end of the show. But if we're doing a winners-losers show, this time it has to be those that uh, whose seasons came to an end. It has to be. There's no other way of getting around it. Let's see here. Danny Savage says, I'm not the brightest wolf on the three, but now two bad shoulders is not great for football. It is a concern, uh, especially at a position like offensive tackle where, you know, I mean, I agree with Danny, like shoulders matter so much and it's going to be tough to know if it will impact his availability moving forward. I agree with Toxic, though. Hit the like button, please, or Rowdy will steal your girlfriend's Toxic Tom. Shout out to him uh, for always calling for the like buttons. Thank you, guys. Uh, we're at about 90 people right now between Facebook and YouTube, and I cannot even see the likes, so we do need to get the likes up. Let's go. Thank you, guys, for tuning in, by the way. Let's move on, though to the three winners of the game. I have three of them for tonight. And I'm going to start with one that might be a surprise to everyone. So let me know in the chat too, who's your biggest winner of the game? I'm actually not going to start with a surprising one, but let me know who's the biggest winner of the game for you. Here we go. Let's get it started. We got to start with Jalen Tolbert. We really have to start with the guy that caught four passes for 66 yards and is looking like he has guaranteed himself the number four spot in the wideout rotation. And listen, I understand the hype about those who are thinking that Tolbert is also looking at stealing some reps from Michael Gallup. At first, I was like, hey, maybe... The hype could be getting a little bit out of hand, but I can see it. I can see it, man. Keep in mind that the Cowboys started the game against the Seattle Seahawks starting defense, and they also did it against the starting offense. But in this case, Tolbert was facing the Seahawks secondary at first, and he showed up throughout the game. And here's what I love about Tolbert's strong preseason He's winning, and he's winning on different routes. We saw him win on Saturday night with a go route early in the game where Will Greer was just like 
Tolbert is down there somewhere, down the right sideline. And Tolbert wins. Like, you cannot even appreciate how much he wins in that rep because the throw is just a little bit 50-50. He needs to adjust, work to the ball, and kind of like track it down. And, and he makes an uncomfortable catch too. But if you look at the release of that play, Tolbert is out there generating separation with footwork, with his release. You love to see it, and he's doing it on different routes. He does that releasing outside on the go route in that play. He has another on third down where he's running this land, and he's kind of like, you know, hitting the cornerback with that starter step, kind of like selling that he's going to break outside, breaks inside, and then just good hands at the football, makes a catch there. And then he's got another one, which looks like kind of a crosser route on third and down as well. And I actually believe it was called incomplete, but he does such a good job just like identifying the zone coverage, sitting down, and then understanding the leverage and understanding that Will Greer is going to hit him on the other side and working back to the football. Tolbert seems like he's got the details of the position down. He's got the nuances of the position down. And I don't think that we'll ever be able to fully understand what happened in 2022 with this guy. We've seen cases of players taking a long time to really learn the position, especially at positions like wide receiver, edge rusher, even defensive tackle, and we'll talk more about Masi later. But this was such an extreme case, and it's being even more extreme with the comeback. I, I just don't know what happened last year because I know about, you know, the learning process, but I don't remember seeing that type of a case where such a hyped rookie, third-round draft pick, is a healthy scratch for so much in the season. And then now he looks so ready. He looks so ready. And I believe he really can push for those reps from Michael Gallup. He's a willing blocker too, by the way. And we know that that will matter to Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys coaching staff. I could see him pushing Michael Gallup for some snaps. Because, you know, you're also playing in 11 personnel so often, so often that the wide receiver the fourth wide receiver is going to see playing time, even if everyone is healthy. So, you, you know, I just think about this example because it's like the silly way of looking at it. But, you know, those sliders when you play Madden where you can set the sliders to where how often will the players rotate on your team? Because, you know, the rotations happen automatically. Like if a player is tired, the game will automatically sub in a player for you. I'm just guessing that the Cowboys' slider is going to be turned up high to where we're going to see Tolbert rotating to the offense often. Since week one, I'm thinking, the way that we're seeing him play right now, I don't think that you want to keep him off the field as long as the starting three are, are healthy. I think there are ways that you want to see Tolbert in there. Tolbert, to me, is the ultimate winner of this game Four catches, 66 yards. That's an average of 17 yards per catch. And you were seeing him, man, you were seeing him do a little bit of everything. And that is what I love about his preseason so far. We've seen him win 
in so many different routes that you got to be excited about it. And you got to love the story, too. You got to love the comeback story. That's one of the winners. Let's see some of yours here in the chat. I want to see who's your biggest winner of the game, or maybe you want to mention somebody else. Let me know. Gregory says, Deuce Vaughn. And it's a fun one because I didn't include him in my winners just because he unfortunately didn't get a, a, a lot of chances to show off. But he did the, uh, get that impressive 14-yard touchdown run where there's a lot of players that deserve a shout-out out of that play. Vaughn obviously makes the cut. He hits the spin move, stays on, on, on his feet, and scores a touchdown. But we also saw quite the block from Matt Farniak, who he's pulling as the offensive lineman. And then you saw Lux Kuhn Maker and Sean McKeon get key blocks in that play. So just want to shout them out as well. But Deuce Vaughn could be a winner. Uh, I can live with it, especially because some of the plays where he did not get the explosive runs or the, or, or the productive runs, uh, it was also on the offensive line uh, a few times. This is from the broadcast copy, I will admit. I have not gotten my hands on the old 22 for the game. Lances Tolbert is a different dude. Here we go. Uh, Jerry Jones says Danny was biggest winner that we support his team. <laughs> says Danny. Jerry Jones is never safe in the chat. JT has great hands, says uh, Lance. Toxic says congratulations to Tolbert. He is no longer a concession stand worker. Big loss at the Deep and Dot station. Collins is very pleased with Dalen Tolbert decided to play football this season. Uh, let's see here. Who else? Who else? Danny says, Deuce almost got Greer killed trying to pass block. It was like watching. Oh, man. Danny is onto something, though, here. That, that, uh, there, there were like two pass block reps for Deuce Vaughn in the game. And they, they, they hit the spin move on him and, and, he wasn't able to do much. He just kind of like tried to throw himself into the linebacker. But they did get the pressure in. That was a little bit scary, maybe. Not scary, but, you know, you want to see that impressive pass pro rep from Deuce Vaughn so we can lose our minds. That wasn't it, though. That was not it. Richards is Paul Bojic. I like this pick. I like Azim Richards. I like this this answer right here as a winner because, hey, he is looking good. And, you know, with Matt Willetzko's injury and everything, you never know what could happen. I think that he's been complimented by many people smarter than me, like John Owning from PFF. I have not zeroed in on Richards myself, but he's been praising his pass pro. That looks great. Let's see. Uh, Danny says Masi went to IHOP last night. Pancake City, he got. We'll talk a little bit about Masi here in a while. Ninja says he has been fine. We don't need him to wreck stuff up right now. Colin says his wide receiver room is deep as hell. So yeah, I think pretty much everyone agrees with many of this of, of these winners on the list. Let me get to some other of my winners right now, and let's start with. Offensive lineman, yes, an offensive lineman is on my winner's list. I'm going to go with Josh Ball. And he's a guy that has not been on my 53-man roster projections. And I'm starting to think that that might change this week when I get it done. 
Because, man, Josh Ball allowed zero pressures last night. Had a decent preseason opener as well. Zero pressures was the top run blocker per PFF run blocking grades. And I know they're not perfect. But, you know, watching the game and just from the TV copy, I think I just caught like one bad rep from Josh Ball in the run game. And that was on a Deuce Vaughn attempt where he's kind of like engaged on the double team, needs to disengage, get to the second level and block the linebacker. He just doesn't get there at all. So that was ugly. But other than that, I think he was solid throughout the game. And I'm looking at this game and I'm seeing Josh Ball play decent football. And also at the same time, I'm seeing Matt Farniak struggle a little bit. And I'm seeing Brock Hoffman struggle a little bit. We know that Chuma Doga might come back, but for now he is hurt. So I'm just thinking you might want to find a way to sneak Josh Ball into the into the 53-man roster. I'm not sure the Cowboys are really thinking about not doing that. And that's it too. I, I think that the way that they're u- utilizing him right now says a lot about what they think about him. So, man, I think that Josh Ball is going to be on this roster as of today. That might change. That might be an overreaction. I think that Chuma Doga's health will also matter in that front. So let's stay still on that one. But Josh Ball is one of my winners. Let's see here. He can run blocks, says Danny Savage. Lance Bell says, I mean, what can I say? Good game by Ball. But, hey, I know that Josh Ball is it, it has been involved in, you know, stuff that makes us call him a POS, like Bruce is saying here in the chat. But just speaking of the game right now, he has to be a winner if we're being totally fair. Danny Savage says Farniak looked bad and he played for quarters. Yeah, and the thing about Farniak, though, when you look at the offensive line depth, is that he's playing center. And that that might be the thing that gets him on the roster. He, he's playing center as well. And that might be enough to get him in. Other winner to me was Rico Dowdle. Not going to spend a whole lot of time with him. 4.8 yards per carry. He looked like the superior running back on, on pass pro compared to Malik Davis, compared to Deuce Vaughn. Had two catches, nine yards after the catch. So good stuff overall from Rico Dowdle. I think that he's established himself as running back number two right now. Uh, we, I know that we're excited about Deuce Vaughn. I know that we want him to earn that role in a surprising way. But if I had to bet, I'm betting on Rico Dowdle to be the backup running back to Tony Pollard entering the regular season. That's where I'm at right now. And he's got juice and he's got burst. And we saw him complete that touchdown catch that we didn't get to see last week because he fumbled the football at the last moment. He had a rough moment on special teams though and i cannot avoid saying that he needs to block and then i don't know who it was from the seattle seahawks but they kind of sell the outside rush and then they cross his face at the last moment and the guy pretty much walks untouched to block the punt from brian anger cannot have that at all if he's gonna stay on the roster but teaching moment as the broadcasters say in every preseason game, 
by the way, I just got to open a parenthesis here. If you watched the game on the Seahawks broadcast, I just, man, that was something. I don't know what it was, but it was something. That's one thing that I can say. It was hilarious. I, I was laughing. I was legitimately laughing when I watched it live, when I watched about the first half. And then, not going to lie, I had to rewatch the game today because I was a little bit distracted last night because big stuff, major stuff happened on the Patriots-Packers game. And I had to put on my editor hat at ADC Sports. So I was kind of like working on that side of things while watching the game. And, you know, watching a football game with with, with attention is difficult enough to kind of catch all the things that you want to catch while also taking care of that stuff. And I'm not going to lie. When one eye was trying to like keep up with the UFC 292 action as well, it wasn't easy. So I had to rewatch the game today. And man, that that broadcast was crazy. They were, <laughs> there was like a tackle made by the linebacker like 10 yards in. Cowboys are moving the chain. And the broadcasting team is like, oh, this linebacker, I'm, <laughs> I keep calling his name. And he was like, what are you saying right now? It was crazy. And the analysis too, it was just funny as heck. I, it was funny as heck. I muted the game when I was taking the notes <laughs> uh, today because I was just like, oh, man, crazy stuff. And I, I, from what I can see in the chat, you guys agree with me. <laughs> it was not. It was not pretty. <laughs> you got to love it. Uh, we have it easy. We have it easy as Cowboys fans. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, we've got, we get Cal humans and we get quality broadcasting I don't even want to get into everybody because I might miss one name. But, hey, Cowboys fans are spoiled because we have so good uh, coverage. And content creators and everything. Like, you know, Cowboys fans are covered. Uh, they were on acid. <laughs> this is Danny Savage in the chat. Oh, my God. All right, let's move on a little bit here. One more winner before I get to some other losers in the Masses mid game that has generated so much controversy so far. Isaiah Land. Holy. Isaiah Land, in my opinion, is looking like a 53-man roster member. I need to put it together myself. I know that it's a numbers game. I know that it might be tough to carry a 11th or 12th defensive lineman. But damn, you want Isaiah Land on that roster when the season starts, in my opinion. Once again, he led the team in pressures. He had three of them. He had a sack that I wish that I had the old 22 clip to show it to you right now. But he had a sack where he, first he gets to the edge first. He's explosive out of his stance. Gets his hands on the offensive tackle first, and he positions them well enough. Plays long, shoves him aside. He sheds the block, and then... By then, the quarterback is trying to like break outside to roll out to his left. And the way that Isaiah Land just changes direction and gets his hand on the football, forces the fumble, it's just such an outstanding rep, in my opinion. I tweeted it out uh, at Mau NFL. That's M A U NFL, in case you want to check it out. 
to me, that's such a tremendous rep. That is one of those that you look at it and I'm guessing that a coach just have to go, how do I find a way to get him on the 53? We know that Dan Quinn likes him. We know that Dan Quinn has been scouting the guy since last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up happening. I'm going to keep it real with you. Like I listed Hunter Liebke as the most likely UDFA to make the team before the preseason. If I had to vote for one of them to get in or, or like guess which one of the two is likeliest to get in now, I would probably least land over Liebke. And this is not a knock on Liebke, but I do think that maybe he's not looking as the roster lock that we thought he would be. But Isaiah Land looks, looks so good. He, he's been so impressive. Lance Bell says, I really like Land. And, you know, some people were like, this guy is going to be a draft pick. He's going to be a seven-round draft pick. When the Cowboys signed him in UDFA, people were praising the Cowboys like, National people, not, not talking about Cowboys Twitter people or anything like that. National media was saying, hey, the Cowboys got themselves a dog. Uh, Land looks like he needs right, says Danny Savage, or weight. Um, maybe Danny meant weight. Oh, yeah. I want him a 30-pound saver. Yep. Can't have majority of guys undersized, but he has crazy potential. Could happen. Could happen. I, I, I like it. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on here a little bit and let's close it out with some thoughts on the losers of the game and the Massey Smith game. And I, watching the TV broadcast, you kind of know that Massey was in for a long, long night. It wasn't great. Uh, I get, I really get it and I understand and I respect it. Those who are going like, hey, people are crazy. This is the no-stackle position. It looks messy. This is the way that it is. And I'm not concerned. I'm not hitting the panic button. But I do think that Masi had a rough outing last night. Because I'm not talking about the place where he doesn't get a tackle or where he occupies the space and doesn't do much. That's what the Cowboys brought him to do. Occupy space, get your hands on two blockers, mess stuff up for the offense. I'm talking about the one-on-one reps where he, the, I mean, to be fair, he kind of got pushed around even on one-on-one situations. Was it against the Seahawks' first team defensive line? Offensive line, excuse me. Yes, plenty of those reps were against the Seahawks starters, and that's why I'm not hitting the panic button or anything like that. I think I think there are two extremes to this conversation based on what we've seen on Cowboys Twitter so far. On one end, we've got people saying, Masi sucks, is not ready, not worth the first round draft pick. Stop it. Just seriously, stop it. <laughs> Especially considering that it was the 26th overall draft pick. You're not talking about a top 10 pick. You're not talking about anything like that. And then the other end is like, hey, he played well. It wasn't a bad night. I think it was. <laughs> Week one was not. And I actually think that week one showed us so many good stuff. So much good stuff. But this time around, I did think it wasn't a, it wasn't a good game for him. I think that when he was in one-on-one situations, again, 
without seeing the old 22, this is all based on the TV copy. He did get pushed around a lot of the times and he did go to the ground a lot of the times where you didn't want him to. So not really concerned, but I'm going to say it. To me, he does go on the loser category. Being a loser on a preseason game does not mean that we're hating on him. Doesn't mean that he has no hope of ever being an NFL player. Doesn't mean anything like that. Just objectively didn't have the game that he was hoping for. And I'm guessing that if we got to talk to him, that would be the first thing that he would say. Anyways, to me, he's one of the losers. Brock Hoffman is also one of the losers for me. And man, I forgot to write his stats down, but he also allowed a lot of pressures. And the sack that Cooper Rush took, sure, Cooper Rush can get rid of the football, but man, Hoffman got destroyed. And I remember watching that and being like, I don't know about the depth at left guard. I just don't. So I would be a little bit concerned about that. And again, to me, the real losers of this game are the injured players. So that's where I would leave it at, to be honest. I don't have anyone else that I feel like I've got to mention personally. I think that I did leave out some good names on offense. Oh, yeah, Will Greer. Will Greer can be a loser, as Katharina says in the Facebook chat. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Will Greer could be in there. In the winner's category, like I would have wished to mention Sam Williams. I would have liked to mention Cavante Turpin. He had a good game, and you know that I've been a Turpin skeptic so far. Had a good game on Saturday night, in my opinion. Had a very good catch, fun catch as well. Cooper's throws were low, says Cam. Yeah, Cooper Rush didn't have a great game either. But he's also in a position where he's locked in as QB2. So I'm not going to make him a loser. But I think that's a that's a fair assessment. Like, Cooper did not have a great game either. Saturday night was one of those games where it was like, okay, I'm glad football is back, but can we just get September now? Can we just skip week three of the NFL season and can we just move on? So, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, long show tonight. Long show tonight. I appreciate you, as always. Make sure that you tune in tomorrow. Hey, listen, if you enjoy the show and you enjoy what you've been watching, make sure that you tune in tomorrow night because we've got a special, special guest coming on the show, or at least that is the plan, of course. Everything is always uh, subject to change. But we've got Isha Morrison Joining the show, you know her from the draft show, from the Dallas Cowboys Podcast Network channel. You know her from Girls Talking Boys, from the Dallas Cow Girls Talk Boys Talk, excuse me, from the Dallas Cowboys Podcast Network. So I'm excited about it. She is so knowledgeable when it comes to Cowboys football, and I can't wait to talk some ball with her. Uh, so make sure you tune in tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Thank you so much, and I will see you tomorrow night. Thank you to Toxic, Gregory, Lance, Joey Bella, Ines. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic end to your Sunday night. Y los veo el día de mañana. Bye-bye.